Here's a question for you. Should access to cooling be treated as a human right? Uh, This summer has been particularly warm, and there's no reason to suggest that will change anytime soon. Last week, the planet's average temperature hit new records at least three days uh, out of five. Research from the Intact Center on Climate Adaptation at the University of Waterloo suggests that between 2050 and 2080, almost all major Canadian cities will see an increase in maximum daily temperatures between 3 degrees Celsius and 5 degrees Celsius, and the number of summer days above 30 degrees Celsius will double, triple, or even quadruple in some cases. Think back to two years ago in B.C., when there was a terrible heat wave uh, with Lytton, B.C. sitting uh, records, uh, 600 people died in the uh, uh, some of the heat waves out in B.C. two years ago. So this is an issue that maybe sounds obvious, but I think is one we don't talk about enough. Uh, so let's talk about it with uh, Dr. Annabella Bonata, chair of the Intact Center on Climate Adaptation. I appreciate the time today. Hi, Devin. Thank you so much for having me on. How is uh, climate change influencing extreme heat in the country? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, a great way to start. Um, so as you've heard, uh, climate change is causing our global temperatures to rise. And as you just mentioned, we peaked all of our records uh, globally in June. Um, and in Canada, what we're actually seeing in the north is that we're uh, increasing our temperatures at double the rate that the rest of the world is. And over the Arctic, that can be up to four times more. Uh, so heating in Canada is actually occurring quicker than, than the rest of the world. Maybe, I mean, we can, we can see with the wildfires, although that's kind of tied to this, but it's its own separate issue. But this trend seems like it's going to continue in particular in Canada. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to see, as you mentioned, um, summers will be hotter. Heat waves will be longer. We'll see more heat waves. Um, all of this is having an influence on fire, on extreme heat. They kind of one leads to each other. So as we saw early in May, um, we had a really dry spring. And out in Alberta, they had a heat dome actually out in May. And that can all lead to wildfire. And then just one kind of feeds into the other. So what we're seeing this summer is unprecedented, but it's also our new normal. How should we think about this in terms of access to cooling uh, as a human right? Yeah, um, the wording there is access to cooling. So many people have been interpreting that as everyone should have air conditioning, and that's not necessarily the case. Um, There are other ways to have access to cooling. So uh, we can think about just cooling centers in general. So we can go to libraries or community centers. So there should be shelters for people when this is absolutely needed in extreme heat conditions. But just generally, as our summers get warmer, we need to think about greening our spaces. So uh, municipalities should start thinking about parks in the area, um, trees. So this all actually lowers the temperature, the ground and the air temperature um, by, by quite a bit. And then air conditioning kind of comes last, but it is extremely important. So the deaths that you mentioned in, in BC, they actually occurred because of a lack of air conditioning or people that had air conditioning but didn't have it on, were not using it right. Um, And those people were actually quite vulnerable, so very sick or living in isolation. 
So this is kind of like a, a whole of society approach where we have to check on our most vulnerable. We have to know where they are, who they are, and provide them especially with access to cooling, such as air conditioning. Um, but the rest of the society can start thinking about greening our spaces especially. You kind of touched upon it in terms of greening of the spaces, in terms of what municipalities can do, but where can they start if they want to get into this? Uh, I think that really because the people that died were the most vulnerable, the place to start is mapping those places. So there is a way for us to check, okay, where are people living that could be the most affected by extreme heat? Um, So you might have heard of the urban heat island effect. So our urban centers are actually the hottest in the country. And this is because of so much pavement, uh, lots of buildings. Um, So that actually all absorbs heat and releases the heat back in the nighttime. So you're not getting a break from the extreme heat even at night. So let's start in those areas. Let's look at where people that are most vulnerable live and let's give them access to cooling in any way necessary. And then we can start to move into um, other things that people can do around their homes or, or as I said, gardens. But there, there are many options for people to adapt to these situations. It's interesting you mentioned, you know, pavement. I've talked about that in the past in, re- in regards to flooding and just how it can help exacerbate that a little bit. Absolutely. So um, these are all connected, as, as I mentioned, with wildfire and heat. But believe it or not, um, after wildfire, that also leads to flooding. Um, not having enough green space leads to flooding as well. So this is all connected. So if we increase our green spaces, we actually also increase our area for uh, water to be absorbed when there's extreme rain. And not to change the subject from extreme heat, but I'm sure you've also seen the floods that are happening right now um, in northeastern U.S. There are extreme floods, like one in 1,000 year floods are happening. Um, So just improving our green areas will actually do the same as you just said. It also works to reduce our, our flooding risk. Sometimes, you know, when you talk climate, it's hard for people to to see the impact of climate change. Have you seen a change when we see, you know, wildfires, when we see temperatures spiking and staying as as hot as as long as we're starting to see? Have you seen a change in the way people maybe talk about our climate and and the impacts of it? I have, and I'm I'm really hopeful about that. I've I've grown up with uh, climate change, and I've seen the discourse change quite a bit. Um, as we saw with the wildfires. Uh, So I live out in Guelph and they were happening in North Quebec, but I was still breathing the contaminants and the bad air from that wildfire. So it's, it's easy for us to now see, even if it's happening far away from me, I can still be impacted. Um, So I've actually had people just out on the street or cashiers tell me, Hey, the the climate change is causing this. Um, It's so hot out there and it shouldn't be like that. And I appreciate that. I think people are starting to, to really notice and take it in. It's a really important topic, and I appreciate you joining us today to talk about it. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. That's Dr. Annabella Bonata, Chair of the Intact Center on Climate Adaptation at the University of Waterloo.